If you have your Bibles this morning, I encourage you to turn them to Luke chapter 1. Last week we began a, a series of messages from Luke 1 and 2 leading up to Advent, um, or so, not leading up to Advent, celebrating Advent. And if you if you're kind of didn't grow up in a liturgical con, um, place like I didn't, um, you're like, what in the world is Advent? Somebody even this morning, we were having this conversation, what is Advent? And uh, you guys, do you guys know what Advent means? I think... There you go. Thank you, Deb. I knew you'd answer that. Yes, Advent means the coming of Christ. And one of the things that I love about Advent is that, is that we believe that Christ is still, there's a, there's a coming that, that's, still hap, that's yet to be seen. There's a Christ that is yet to be seen. Um, and we get, a, we get a foreshadowing here. We get to see Christ come in the manger, Right? We get to see him come as a baby, this beautiful incarnation, God himself coming to save us. He's not done. God is, God's not done yet. God is coming as a king. He's coming as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and he's looking for a bride that's prepared, that's ready. And that's why we've chosen this theme um, for this Advent season, prepare him room. Make room for God. Don't just let Christmas be about Santa Claus and about presents. If that's all that Christmas is to you, you are going to miss out on the greatest gift that has ever been given, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Don't miss it. Make room in your hearts for him. Make room to receive him. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. Make room in your hearts. Don't wait, (laughs) because... His, his, his glorious appearing, we'll get to that in the message. I want to say a few things from Revelation this morning. But um, there, in, this, in this text, in, these, in Luke chapter 1 and 2, there are two impossible births that happen, right? Two births that defy logic. Um, one elderly woman that we looked at, we really looked at Zechariah last week, um, who was, his wife was promised to have a baby, and we looked at Zechariah's doubt in prayer. He's been praying for years for this to happen. And, and, uh, and the angel Gabriel stands, the glory, the glory of the angel Gabriel is standing before him. And he asks the question, well, how can I know this? You know, I need more evidence. I mean, this is not enough. Sorry, you look good, Gabriel, but um, there's got to be more. I need more evidence. And, and God, even in his doubt, God in his sovereignty still gives Zechariah a son. He's going to respond in a couple of weeks. We're going to see Zechariah's response um, after his, he's unsilenced. Um, so one baby born to an elderly, barren woman um, who had given up hope of ever having a child. God does the impossible. The other woman, a virgin, probably just in her teens, I mean, a young teenager, um, who the, ga- the angel Gabriel comes and says, you're going to have a, a son to a virgin. And by the way, Joseph is not going to be the father. God is. Wow. It's amazing. That's miraculous. Two births orchestrated by God and two births that would result in 
my salvation, would result in my sins being forgiven, would result in, in my healing, <laughs> and yours as well. That's, that's what's at stake here, and that's what God's doing. He's doing impossible things, and so he sends John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a special, he's a special child, born to make ready and to prepare the people to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That was John's purpose. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born to save sinners. He was born to save people from their sins. Without the incarnation, without Jesus Christ coming and sacrificing himself at the cross for you, for your sins, you're lost. You're eternally lost and without hope. And that's why I love God. And as I was reading, um, as I was reading this this morning, or actually it was Wednesday morning, um, and I was looking at the phrase that we're going to look at in this text, for, for nothing is impossible with God. Um, I get a call from, from Carr, like right at that time, and I'm like, and Carr shares a story, and I want you to go ahead and put these pictures up here, shares a story of a little boy. If, you've, if you are friends with, with Carr on Facebook, you'll have, have uh, read about a little boy named Logan. And, and no, that's not, that's not her son. Um, that's a friend of hers. And this, this little boy... Um, has, was born with a, a heart, a, a congenital heart disease. Um, and he's been through surgery after surgery. And, um, and the last surgery that they went up to, the, his chest was open for six hours. And for 45 minutes, his heart stopped. And you know what happens when your heart stops for 45 minutes? shuts down your brain. It changes things. And here's this doctor, right? If I get this story right, Car, the doctor is, is literally holding this child's heart and, and keeping him, and they brought him back. And the doctor said to them that, you know what? Because he was out so long, there's no way that he's going to be normal anymore. And you know what, this little boy? I mean, Car's over there the other day. The boy's perfectly as normal as normal can be. He still has a heart condition. He still is going to have a very rough life and still we don't know the certainty of what his days hold. But God does a miracle um, in his life in bringing him back to life. And God does that, doesn't he? God is the author of life. He can do that. And so, if we can believe something like this and believe that God could, God's the one that holds life, why could God not give a virgin a baby? God does impossible things. And one of the greatest miracles that God has ever done is the incarnation of Christ. Jesus being born to a virgin, one of the greatest miracles that we will ever see. We serve a God that does impossible things. And Noel, let me give you just a, an advertisement, an opportunity for you. Thursday night, um, and this is why Carr called. Um, so Thursday night, we have an opportunity to, to bless this family and to bless this child with our voices again. With our voices again, Chris. So uh, we, have the, we have the opportunity 
to, um, to go and sing carols at this boy's house in Dallas Center. Um, a bunch of us are going are to gather at the park, at Mound Park in Dallas Center. They live a block away. And uh, we're going to take our Christmas Eve candles with us. And uh, we're going to go and we're going to sing carols for Logan. Um, and then we're going to have the opportunity to pray for Logan. Um, read some scripture and just encourage um, this family. I don't know this family at all, but I'm excited to go. I'm excited to be a part of that. And if you're not busy Thursday at 6 o'clock, I want to encourage you to show up in Dallas Center and, um, and really embody the spirit of what Christmas is about. It is about love, isn't it? It's about God's love, and we have the opportunity to display that. And so I want to encourage you, um, if you can, to be a part of that Thursday um, at 6 o'clock. And there you go. Shh. Mom's the word if you know them. So it is a surprise. But God does miraculous things. And um, we're going to meet at, in Dallas Center um, at Mound Park. It's the big park in the center of Dallas Center, if that helps. With the water tower. Follow the water tower. I'd say follow the star, but follow the water tower. There are lots of them in Iowa. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, read, this, let's read this story from Luke. In the sixth month... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at this words and, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. <laughs> give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. <laughs> How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And look at Mary's response to this. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. This is the story of God breaking into the universe. God is, God's coming, right? God is coming in the flesh. John would write it in this way. He'd say that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only. He's different than all, than all the rest of, of creation because he's God's son, begotten by God. Right? John 
begotten by God. God begets God. God is the one that comes and, and visits Mary. The Holy Spirit is the one. This is the Son of God coming and breaking into the universe. Um, how did he do it? <laughs> That's what we we'll to look at this morning and just uh, and think about how did he do it and what was Mary's response? And then, what's, what's our response? What kind of response do we have to God when he shows up and speaks to us. Um, and so we begin with the announcement of the birth. It says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Um, last week, remember, um, Luke wrote about the announcement of John the Baptist, and that is who Elizabeth is having, John the Baptist. Um, and here, Luke then ties, he's tying these two births together. He's giving us something to compare. You've got Zechariah, and you've got his response of doubt. You have Mary's response, and we're going to see that Mary believed God. And God didn't silence Mary. Why not? Why were, the, were those two questions different? How can this be? Or how will I know? Are those two questions different? Um, Luke is, is tying these two stories together because they go together. John the Baptist and Jesus, they go together. Not only that, but the, God sends these two unexpected children to Elizabeth and Mary who are related to each other. And so the angel goes from Jerusalem to the scene with Zechariah to Nazareth. Now, there's nothing special about Nazareth. It's not, it's not, it's kind of out of the way. It's off the trade routes. It's, it's, Nazareth isn't really irreligious, uh, but they're not overly religious. They're removed from Jerusalem. Um, it's not likely that Nazareth would be a place where a revolution would break out, for example. Ah, but it is. <laughs> Something very revolutionary is happening. Something's about to change the whole world. A revolution and a kingdom is coming that, that we can't even comprehend and that people, that the, the people who are with Jesus couldn't even understand when he talked about his kingdom because it's a different kind of kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. And so the angel Gabriel goes to Mary and announces this birth of this extraordinary king, um, in Nazareth. And then it says that he came to a virgin pledged to be married to a man, Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Um, and I think there's some significance here. I know there's some significance um, in who the human father was, Joseph. Why would Luke put that detail in there about Joseph being a descendant of David. <laughs> because of the prophecies. There's a beautiful passage in Scripture, a beautiful dialogue between, between God and David at the end of his life. And God speaks to David, and God says in 2 Samuel 7, verse 16, that your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. It's a promise that God made to David. And that's what this is about. Joseph in the lineage of David. And you know what David says to God after God makes that promise to him? David says, And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you made concerning your servant in his house. This is David speaking. Do as you have promised so that your name will be great forever. 
Isn't it like God to keep his word? He does. He always keeps his word. For nothing is impossible with God. The newer NIV uh, version says, for no word from God will ever fail. And that's why these, these prophecies are so important. All the details, Joseph, a descendant of David, and God would choose Joseph as the human father, the adopted father of Jesus. The angel goes on and speaks to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God, Mary. What's that about? What's God's favor on Mary about? Does that, does that, does that mean that that Mary is like this, this special human being that, um, to be worshipped? Is that what it means? It's interesting that um, the word that the angel uses there for favor is the idea that, Mary, you are the recipient of God's grace. Favor, the recipient of God's grace. God had chosen her, highly favored, to bear the Son of God. Did you know that Paul uses a similar phrase in the Greek in Ephesians 1.6 when he talks about you, when he talks about me, when he talks about our adoption as sons and daughters into his kingdom? And he uses that phrase there in Ephesians 1.6 and it says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Mary, a recipient of God's grace. God chose Mary to bear the Son of God. God chose Mary Mary to um, be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you're favored by God? Did you know that you're highly favored? In love, he predestined and adopted you as sons and daughters. He chose you. He's, Mary's, she's ordinary. She's very ordinary. Just like you and I are very ordinary. And God gives her his grace. He says the Lord is with you. Mary, the thing I'm about to tell you, guess what? You don't have to do this on your own. We're going to do some impossible. We're going to do something impossible. But guess what? I am with you to see that this is accomplished. I will help you and I will strengthen you to see this. And you know what? When God calls when God calls us to do impossible things, God says that, that I'm I'm going to be with you. Right? You're not going to be alone, Mary. You're not going to be by yourself in this. I am going to accomplish this in and through you. That happens in the Christian life. That's, that's what the Christian life is about. God does impossible things that we could not do ourselves. 
Now, Mary is special. I don't want you to. I don't want to downplay Mary. I just don't want to put her up on this pedestal, uh, way up here, to where we worship Mary. We worship Jesus. That's who we worship. Why? Because of what the angel says next. What does the angel say? She says, "Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, um, and you will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus." Joshua, right? In the Hebrew. Meaning, Savior. One who saves. You're going to give him the name Jesus. He is going to be called the Son of the Most High. He's not going to have a normal, natural human father. Oh, and by the way, he is going to be given David's throne. And there's David again. Right? He's going to be given David's throne and his kingdom and his reign is going to last forever. You see, Judah had never, <laughs> the nation had never enjoyed <laughs> life as it was when David was king. This, this promise of the, of the Messiah of the virgin birth was important to the people and the nation of Israel. And really to appreciate this, this description, you have to understand what kind of kings Judah had endured. We're gonna, just one king, I was reading the prophecy from Isaiah 7.14 where it says that the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. We're, are you familiar with that verse in Isaiah 7.14? We're familiar with that verse. We read that verse at Christmas. Do you know who that was spoken to? Yeah. It was spoken to Ahaz. Do you know, do you know who Ahaz is? He's an ungodly king. Ahaz is the guy that, that takes the temple treasury and the silver and gold and gives it and gives it to the Assyrian king because he's, he's, he's under a threat. He makes a deal with the Assyrians. And not only does he do that, he adopts the practices of pagan nations and decides that the bronze altar where the sacrifices are being made isn't good enough and brings in, builds a bigger altar to be sacrificed on. Putting God and putting the bronze altar, taking it out of its place and putting it off to the side in the temple. Ah, but he did use the bronze altar. You know what he used it for? To seek guidance. To seek wisdom and guidance. Do you know how the pagans sought wisdom and guidance? He spread the entrails of, of animals across the altar and looked at it to try to figure out what should be done. That's Ahaz. Looking for a sign in the bronze altar. And the prophet comes, Isaiah and says, I'm going to give you a sign. You know what the sign is? The virgin birth. <laughs> I'm going to bring someone great. I'm going to bring a great king who's going to be born of a virgin. That's the sign. Now, 
we don't understand that because we're not Israel and we don't think about those things and we don't we didn't grow up learning all of well hopefully we grew up learning some of these things we're learning it right now they were their hope was in these promises in these prophecies and so for the angel Gabriel to come to Mary and say, his name is going to be called Jesus, he's going to be the Savior, he'll be the Son of God, but even more importantly, that he will be given David's throne and he will reign forever. That's the fulfillment of a promise that God had made to David and the promised hope that they were looking for for a long time. And so Mary receives these things um, and she asked the question. It's a simple question, right? Okay. Now that I'm over being startled, like, angels are intimidating. Now that I'm over the this, this startling, I've grown past the troubledness in my soul, just one question. How will this be? How is this king going to come? since I'm a virgin. Okay, God, I have never had sexual relations with any man. So how in the world can this happen? It's a fair question, right? It's different. Is it different than Zechariah's question from last week? Right? Hey, I need some evidence. How can I know this? Come on, I need to see. You don't understand. My wife is old and barren. I need to see this. Give me some evidence that you're answering this prayer. Her question is a little different, isn't it? Just, can you just give me an explanation of how this is going to happen? If, if, I'm the one give, if I'm the one that's going to be doing this, could you just show me, give me a little light on how this might happen? And I imagine that Mary... At, the, at Gabriel's response is just going to be blown away. You'd think she would be, right? Do you, would you be blown away? If, if the Lord visited you, if the angel of the Lord visited you and said, hey, you're going to have a son, but you're, it's not going to have a human father. would be like, uh, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin. I might, I might ask the same question. And Gabriel gives this response. He says, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is where the impossible comes in, right? This is where, this is the only, <laughs> the, the only description that we have like this. You don't see this in the other Gospels. You see the angel, we have, in Matthew's Gospel, we have the account for Joseph being told these things, that it's gonna, there's going to be a virgin birth. This is the only spot in Scripture where we, we see this virgin birth being explained, even talked about. The New Testament writers, the rest of the New Testament writers, don't even talk about the virgin birth. Why? Because the, the Greek culture and the pagan culture wouldn't understand it. They would link it to um, some of their own beliefs about the gods and how they would take on human they would watch Hercules. Maybe that's a good one. Sorry. I was trying to think about how to explain this. I don't have to explain it. I'll say Hercules, okay? So that's why you don't even see this mentioned again in the New Testament. 
but here. And so everything that we know about the virgin birth, we get it from right here. We don't need to speculate about anything beyond that. I like what John Piper said in his message um, from 2005. He says, this was God's choice. An angel sent from God to a virgin. God's way of breaking into the universe was that he would be conceived in the womb of a virgin. He says we should not, we should not very speculate very far from the text why he did it this way. The clearest answer is in verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. He says, God chose to be conceived in the womb of a virgin so that the fatherhood of this child would be absolutely unique. He is the Son of God, not the Son of Joseph. He has a divine father, not a biological human father. He is therefore divine as God's son and human as Mary's son. God chose to break into the universe by choosing to enter through a virgin. And we believe that about Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? That he was, he was God. But he was also human. Fully man, fully God. The only, the only person of his kind to live. And the angel says that Elizabeth, your relative, in verse 36, is going to have a child in her old age. We talked about that last week. And then verse 37 says, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now when I started this week, I started by studying from the new NIV version. And here's what it says. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. Do you guys have that in your Bible? Does anybody read in the new NIV? You have that in your Bible, don't you? Because I was reading out of your Bible to go, what? I knew I liked this old NIV Bible. What, what? Yeah. Like, what happened here? What, what did they do with this new NIV Bible? But I latched onto that. I'd already just gotten married to that phrase. I was like, I love that. For no word from God will ever fail. That's what's happening here. God spoke a promise 2,000 years even before that to David. And God is coming through on his promise. God is breaking through to bring this promise to light. Nothing will be impossible with God. We would see Abraham believing the same thing. Remember from Romans chapter 4 and verse 21, we said that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Another miraculous birth. Or Jeremiah would write this. He would say, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jesus would say it. When the rich man came and said to Jesus, What do I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said to him, Go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And the, <laughs> and the guy went away sad. And Jesus then commented to his disciples, you know what, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were like, well, then who can enter the kingdom? And Jesus answered them and said, 
With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That's our God. God does things that are impossible. The virgin birth is something that is beyond our comprehension, beyond what we can understand. But like the verse that we shared last week, who can understand and even know the things that God has prepared for those who love him? The doctors who say things like, well, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, there's, no, there's going to be no brain activity. Logan's fully active, fully cognizant, knows all of his surroundings. God has his hand in those things. God is doing things that are impossible. That's the God that we serve. And, and so then when I'm reading this phrase from the NIV and I'm going, for no, no word from God will ever fail, <laughs> you know what I start thinking about? Okay, what else did God say? What else did God say in his word? And the first thing that comes to my mind as we celebrate Advent was Revelation 22, verses 12 through 16. Here's what it says. Thinking about Advent, thinking about, Deb, what is Advent about? What's Advent about? The coming of Jesus. And you know what Jesus says at the end of the book? He says, for behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates of the city. I don't understand what that looks like, right? These are pictures that that are beyond. John is seeing something here that's beyond what we can comprehend. But Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. I don't like the next verse, nor should you. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel, here we go, to give you this testimony for the churches. That's us, church. Notice what he says next. Here's, 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 this is fascinating. I am the root and the offspring of of David and the bright and morning star. For no word from God will ever fail. With God, all things are possible. God does things and says things that are beyond our understanding and beyond our imaginations. But if God says this to us, If God sends an angel to say this to John and and if this has not yet been fulfilled, you can be sure that God will keep his word. He will come soon. Behold, I am coming soon. Back to the story. Nothing is impossible with God. How does Mary respond? What does she say? What else do you say to an angel? Okay. Whoa. I'm not worthy. You might say that to God sometimes, wouldn't you? 
That's not the way that, that Mary responds. I love Mary's faith here. Here's why, we should, here's why we should love Mary. Here's why we should look at Mary and go, wow, this is an amazing teenager. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. She says, may it be to me as you have said. Or in the new NIV, what does it say, Karen? May your word to me be fulfilled. Wow. That's faith. That's different than Zechariah's response. How can I know this for sure? I respond that way sometime. Mary's like, you know what? I'm going to take you at your word, God. I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, and not only that, I'm going to hold you to your word, God. I'm going to say, may your word to me be fulfilled. And I think it's important for us to note what's at risk for Mary. By saying, I'm the Lord's servant. Do you realize that in that culture, even in our culture, to have a baby before marriage is not a popular thing? Maybe not, definitely not in that culture. Mary's going to go through some <laughs> ridicule, whispering. <laughs> oh, I wonder what happened, you know, there. But Mary believes God's word and responds in faith. God would keep his promises and God would be with her throughout the entire pregnancy. God would bring, bring this to happen. Unlike Abraham, she didn't try to take matters into her own hands. <laughs> right? She didn't do that. She was willing to be used by God. What does that mean for you? And what does it, what does it mean for me that God would break into the universe? Why does that matter to you and me? Why does the virgin birth and why does God coming matter? Amen. That's my next point. Yeah. Jesus came so that you could have life. So that you could be saved. So that you could enjoy the favor and grace of God. That's why he came. That's why this matters to you. This virgin birth, it matters. And my question is, are you ready? <laughs> Have you taken, do you believe this? <laughs> do you believe in this virgin birth? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, another miracle, another amazing thing, rose from the dead? Something that we could not imagine. Someone rising from the dead and living forever. <laughs> Do you believe that? And not only do you believe it with your mind, but do you believe it and respond like Mary did in faith and say, I, I believe this. I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever you, whatever you want from me, God, 
Let your word be fulfilled in me. Here I am, and I am ready to do your will. You see, that's part of the preparation is the obedience that comes with the faith, with the believing, comes obedience. Are you ready for the Lord to come? Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. Jesus makes that promise to us. And so, are we ready as the bride of Christ? Are you ready? And that's why, prepare him room. Don't get caught up in the world's scheme and the world's way of living and the world's... Don't get caught up with all that. The real thing that matters is Christ. He's the real thing. He should get all of our focus, all of our attention, all of our obedience, all of our honor goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't sell your heart to anything else. Don't give your heart to anything else. Be ready. Make room for Him. Make room to be able to even hear Him speaking to you. I want to end with this. This is a promise from Ephesians 3 and verse 20, and it goes to the impossible. It says, And now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word, God. We thank you for the promise in your word that says that your word is powerful and effective and that it revives the soul. Your word, God, revives our heart. It's like water to our soul. It's in your word that we see who you are, God, and how you move and what you do, God, and, and we, we're, we're in awe, God, of you. We are in awe, God, of how you do this. Who could have thought of the virgin birth, God, but you? Who could have thought of sending Jesus as fully God and fully man through being born through a human mother? God, only you can think of those things. God, who can know your mind and your heart? And God, who can know the things that you have planned for those who love you? God, we are your servants. We respond like Mary this morning, God, and we say, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. God, we want you to use us, God, in whatever way, Lord, that you want to. And so, God, as we are focused right now, God, on Advent, we're focused on coming, on, on you even returning, Jesus, would you send your angels to speak to our hearts, God, to show us um, ways that you want us to serve and obey? We know, God, that you do that. And so, God, we worship you, Lord, as the God that does the impossible, brings life to a virgin, bestows grace on her, shows favor to her, 
God, just as you show favor to us and you say, Lord, that you are with us, Emmanuel. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing our... um